Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Beat School Podcast. I'm your host, Kia Orion. Thank you so much for tuning in. You could be anywhere in the world, but you are here with me, and I appreciate that. I want to first of all say that I apologize for the delay. I was doing another song a day challenge, which is when I jump into doing a song every single day, Monday through Friday for the month. It's a short 30-day sprint that I take because I'm kind of, that's how I make new projects. That's just how I really dive in and try to make something new every day for pretty much 30 days, um, for 30 days straight. So it takes a lot out of me, but I learned a ton about creativity, learn about a lot about myself every time I do it. The whole process is an adventure to say the least, but we are back in action. If it is your first time tuning in, this is the podcast where we break down questions, comments, concerns from y'all about music production. That's everything music related, whether that's how to sell beats, how to make beats, creativity, um, all that good stuff. And so this episode, I got quite a few questions locked and loaded right for you guys. I'm stoked to jump into it. So without further ado, I'm going to stop wasting your time and jump into it. Actually, I apologize. I am going to keep wasting your time. This episode is sponsored by yours truly, The Beat Bootcamp. This is a program uh, that I run. It's a 30-day intensive, kind of like I was saying, except instead of it being a song every single day, it says broken down into four different weeks. So it's called the Beat Bootcamp, um, and it's my flagship music production program. If you're interested in learning how to make beats, uh, if you already do make beats, if you're making beats for less than two years, you really want to level up your game and learn the foundations in as short amount of time as possible. Highly recommend checking that out. You can find that out at thebeatbootcamp.com or you can find all of this good stuff all on my website at kiaorion.com. So now with that out of the way, let's jump into these questions. So this first one comes from um, the really old, the really old matter. Um, it says, is it too early for me to blend genres? I'm at the very beginning of making hip hop, just started to write and produce. Throughout my life, I've been exposed to various music forms such as pop, alt rock, indie rock. Um, I started out just making traditional hip hop mixtapes. Should I start with making music familiar to rap or dive into experimenting with different genres? This is a great question, Old Matter. I think it depends on what you want to do with it. If you're trying to just sell beats, um, you might be able, it depends how much, how much money you want to make and how quickly, um, oftentimes people will want like beats that they already are aware of. So people, depending on what genre you make, if you want to make it like SEO friendly on YouTube, people aren't going to be searching like whatever your genre is. They're going to be like searching this type of beat. Like they're going to be searching like Drake type beats or, um, gunna type beats or the baby type beats. You get my point. So if it's strictly, it depends on your intention. If it's strictly to monetize, it would probably be best to just stick with something that is a little bit more traditional. But it depends, like I said, on what you want to do. If you're trying to be an artist or if you want to make beats simply for your soul and like for the artistic create, like creative craft of it, then I think it's amazing to blend genres. I actually think that's what I recommend to people is uh, to break down like three or four of your favorite producers and see what it is about those producers that you really love and then do your best to um, not, you, I say steal, you want to steal from them, but eventually if you're true to yourself, you will kind of create your own style out of those. So like I'm a huge fan of Drake. I'm a huge fan of Frank Ocean. I love Tyler, the creator. I love Kanye. So my style is this kind of like future-based blend of both. It's like Drakey, but it still has like future-based elements where, so it's still like, it also has like some funk elements for like Anderson Pac type shit. So for you, I would dive into what is the intention? 
What do you want to do with it? And then decide from there because that's what it really depends on. It's never too early to blend genres. It would just depend on what you want to do with it. Okay. Next one. How to make your 808s hit harder. This one's by Alex Harris. Alex, a uh, big part of 808s is just letting them breathe, baby. You got to let that bitch breathe. Um, 808s for me, the key to 808s is giving them the space. And by letting them breathe and by giving them the space, what I mean by that is you have to allow them the room to be heard because they're going to compete with your kick. But since they're they're kind of in this place where they're above they might compete some with your kick with some low end, but they're also going to be above your kick. And so if you have something like pianos or a synth that has low end, they're, they're going to be competing there. So they're kind of in this like weird in-between spot, which is why they often get super muddy because they're they're like the middle child. And so you want your kick to come through, but you also want people to hear instruments. So you have to kind of EQ out some space for them, EQ some room for that 808 to really breathe. A couple of tips for you. One, add some saturation or distortion to them and that a lot of the 808s will come through in the high end so like um if you can bring out that high end you can actually get a lot of the kind of i think punchiness that you're looking for without necessarily sacrificing your kick so that's one is i always throw on a, a compressor excuse me a compressor um a distortion or saturation Another one is sidechain compression. So you could sidechain them to your kick. So every time your kick fires, uh, the kind of 808s duck out, which I always do that too. So that way your kick comes in, your 808s can rock. Another thing that you can do, an easy trick that, that this, you see this all the time, um, is people just drop the kick out. And I do this too. Like you just use the 808 almost as a base. Like just drop the kick out completely, let your 808 rock as a low end, and then it doesn't have anything to compete with down there. And uh, it can just kind of do its thing. So um, you can make them super extreme and add a lot of distortion, which I also love, or you just got to make sure that you carve out room for them. So hopefully that works. Um, this one is by Riggle Like a Fish. It says, how do I get a feature from a bigger artist? Um, I don't have the biggest fan base yet. I have 250 monthly listeners on Spotify with two tracks that are over 1,000 plays. Um, I really want... I might say who it is. I want to get the artist Slow Tie. A British rapper has millions of plays on Spotify. Money is not an issue. Um, wriggle like a fish. Everybody wants to collab with Slow Tie right now. Because Slow Tie's popping. He probably gets a ton of these offers all the time. Or she. I'm not sure if it's a he or she. But uh, I think it's a he. Yeah. Um... And so the chances are going to be probably pretty slim. Unless you've got a bag, like a serious bag, it's probably going to be tough. So what I would recommend is instead, in, in taking it to the point where these people want to collaborate with you, I would recommend um, networking laterally. I talk about this all the time. Work with people who, who would actually want to work with you and that are around kind of your same um, – level i know that's weird but like levels of fame but like your levels of attention like collaborate with people who are on the same level you guys build together because right now it's like slow tie would be doing you a favor and i don't always think that's amazing for creativity like you'd want them to work with you because they want to that always makes better songs so that's my take on it all right guys i'm gonna take my glasses off here because i'm getting serious you already know what it is um no glasses bro straight no glass you know what I'm going to put a hat on, too. I'm going to just get super fly for y'all motherfuckers. Putting a hat on. I'm not even going to put it all the way on. I'm just going to put a hat on my head. I'm taking my glasses off. 
hat on the head, bars. Let's go. Um, the next one is, how does Mac Miller layer all those sounds? This one's by Sunday, Monday, Sunday, Monday, Monday to Sunday, hose Monday through Friday, Friday to Sunday. Yo, the key is with Mac Miller stuff is he has dope engineering. So um, I think with Mac Miller, the way that he arranges his sounds, first of all, um, excuse me, the way that he layers his sounds is through his arrangement. That's what I meant to say, because he arranges his tracks in a really interesting way. And so that's a way that he kind of lets different elements breathe at different times. Another way that he does it is he's, his engineer is really dope. Like he'll come in, he'll do some spacey vocals and he'll often have like a bass with a piano, maybe some strings. Like as he got more experimental in his later stuff, um, he did more acoustic sounding instrumentation. And it was less like hip hop beats and more kind of like that Anderson Pac, like kind of funk free nationals type of vibe. And so that a lot of like if you listen to Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly, kind of in that same lane, a lot of acoustic instrumentation, the, the engineering is key for those because you really got to know how to EQ and make space for all those instruments. If you want those instruments to be heard. They've got to have space, whether that's panning, whether that's EQing out different ways for them to really have um, their own space in the mix. Or you can also, through arrangement, kind of taking things in and out to let them kind of breathe at certain points. Like, it's not easy. So don't get it twisted. Like, listen to Jack Harlow, What's Poppin'. That'll be very different than a Mac Miller track. Jack Harlow, What's Poppin', one piano sample, bass, kick, drums, period. He doesn't have to worry about, like, he has to worry about his, like, drums, clashing maybe a little bit with Jack's voice, but like your voice is an instrument too. So you layer all those sounds and you have vocals on top. You got to get nice with the engineering, get nice with that EQ. You got to be cutting, slicing and dicing with the frequencies. Um, this one is by Watcher. How long does it normally take you to make a beat? No samples. Uh, Watcher. This is interesting. Because doing the song a day challenge that I did this last month, there would be times when normally if I'm not making a song to a track, if I'm just making a beat, probably take me about one and a half hours, one, one and a half with all the bells and whistles, all the fun stuff. If I'm really getting in there, I'm not using too many presets. I'm tweaking everything, probably one and a half. But if I'm like really challenging myself or really pushing myself, I'm doing like indie dance or I'm doing like a future funk or I'm doing something that's out of my comfort zone, it'd probably take me closer to two or three. But there were some days during this last month when I would do, I would make a beat and I just wasn't inspired by it. So I'd make another beat, wasn't inspired. Sometimes I'd make three or four beats a day that I wasn't inspired by, just rough ideas and just couldn't seem to nail it. And then in the afternoon, there's one in particular I'm thinking of. My boy sent me a cover he did of Time Flies by Drake. Shout out Jay. Um, check him out. Uh, Zen Boba makes dope music. Um, he sent me, he did a cover of Time Flies. And it, the, the second half of the song, if you listen to Time Flies by Drake, the, the track breaks down. And it's, it's so simple. And it's like a pad and a hi-hat and a rim and a kick and a bass. Super simple. And I was super inspired. I was so inspired that I made my own version of that. No samples. I just hopped on the Arturia plugins. I found a retro synth. It was like, I think, a Jupiter. I found some major seventh chords or minor seventh chords. I can't remember. I think it was like three chords. And it took me like 30 minutes to make the beat. And I made one of like, I think one of my better songs from this past month off of that beat that took me like 30 minutes. So it really depends, brother. If you're not 
use and samples it doesn't always matter whether it's with samples or not sometimes the beats i make without samples go faster because you already have all the midi notes there you don't have to figure out what key it's in whatever whatever like you can just kind of like plug in do it and go where sometimes when i use samples i spend a lot of time chopping manipulating pitching warping all that sort of stuff so it really depends um i do think if you can work faster it's good because usually when you're in the studio with somebody or you're making with somebody like they don't have all day, especially like rappers, they get impatient. So you need to like be making beats pretty fast. But if you're adding all the bells and whistles, you're doing it yourself. Like, um, I also think sometimes it can be overkill. Like stop tweaking the knobs, finish the goddamn beat, do it. Um, okay. I also think people, I think as producers, we need to make more beats. Like I think we, we sometimes get too precious. And we spend too time, like too much time, trying to craft a masterpiece. So my biggest piece of advice for beginners is like, stop trying to make, uh, you know, the Mona Lisa, and just like make something, keep it moving. All right, this one says, um, "Rich dude, how can you clean up your EQ? How can you clean up slash EQ your beats to reduce muddiness? I feel like my beats have dope drums and melodies, but they don't sound professionally mixed. When I listen to my AirPods, it sounds perfect, but on speakers, it sounds horrible." My 808s drown out the melody. If I turn them down, you can barely hear the drums over the melody. Want everything to sound crisp without paying for a professional mix. Any tips? Yeah, dude, you got to mix a lot. There are key couple tips to mixing that took me forever to learn. Um, I actually have some free materials, free courses on Skillshare about this. Um, I have things on my YouTube channel. It, and it's not even mine. Like, find a couple tutorials um, about mixing. But it comes down to practice. You got to train your ear. One. Another one is use a reference track, like pull up whatever track it is that you're trying to make your, your thing sound like and try to mix for that. Another one is you can't mix for everything. You can't mix for AirPods and your car and the club. Like that's just not how it works. Like pick one, mix for that thing because you, you'll adjust things differently. If you want something to slap in the club, it's going to sound different than if it is on your laptop speakers. So choose one thing that you're mixing for. If you can get it to sound good on crappy speakers, chances are it's probably going to sound good on big speakers too. But sometimes if you really want like that low end to come through on your laptop speakers, it's going to almost be like too much in the car. So you got to kind of, I, I would say pick one thing you're mixing for or two things and stick to them. Use those kind of reference points, get a reference track, do it a lot and don't get fancy. Um, really focus less on like EQing in terms of like carving out a lot of frequencies and like getting fancy with plugins and just like use fewer instruments as one use some sidechain compression and really focus on getting your levels right work on panning getting your levels right making sure things are like sit in certain frequencies and the, usually the best way to do this is just by like making simpler beats and that's just the honest truth um like i said with the jack carlo what's popping joint like piano sample drums kick bass keep it moving those are a lot easier to mix than something with like 20 different flute tracks and competing with a piano and vocals and et cetera, et cetera. So that's my two cents. All right. We're going to keep this moving right along. Okay. This one's by Prince Frost. Is it possible to have a natural talent for rapping? So I've been making beats now for a few months. They're decent. Um, but I've been wanting to rap and I feel like I'm being held down. I couldn't before I couldn't talk because I was so nervous for months on end. But he said, I started to actually sound good. Sure could use a little bit of work, but I was impressed with myself. I found my voice very quickly and even rap some lyrics. Having to actually try to record, but from what I hear, I don't sound bad. Is it possible to have a natural talent or I'm not actually good and my mind is playing tricks? 
Well, I hate to tell you, Prince Frost, but every rapper thinks that they're the dopest. Your old Drew has this line where he's like, no rapper gets in the game to be like, I got in here to be okay. I'm decent. Every rapper thinks they're the best. That's the point of being rapper is like, you kind of have some, you have a chip on your shoulder. You got something to say, something we're saying. Like every rapper thinks they're nice. I was listening to a, um, a podcast interview with Ray Dalio the other day. He has this book called, I think it's called Principles. He's one of like the most successful investors or he, he's one of those like billionaire dudes that runs some crazy head fund and it's just like figured life out. And he was talking about as soon as people say, I think I, he's like, that's a problem. He's like, that perks my ears up because you don't necessarily have evidence there. That's a personal opinion about yourself. So that's obviously going to be biased. But if you can get opinions from others, that's when things really start to matter. I think I, I can think I'm great at a lot of things. It doesn't mean it's true. So this is a kind of a double-edged sword. Double arma filo. Double arma filo, I think, in, in Espanol. Um, it's a phrase I tried to learn the other day. Double-edged sword is you have to have the undying self-belief that you are great because life is hard and life will shit on you and, and drag you down. So you have to believe in yourself more than anything. At the same time, you have to walk that fine line between understanding that you, your, your perspective is wrapped up in your ego. And your ego, the point of your ego is to protect you. So everything that you think about, especially yourself, is filtered through your own lens, your own ego. It's, it's very difficult for us to see ourselves objectively, which is why we often do exercises to get opinions from other people to help us see ourselves, both our strengths and weaknesses. You're usually so close to your strengths, you don't even realize they're your strengths. That's some businessman type shit. But you're so close to your perspective of yourself that you actually don't know what sounds good or not. And that sounds harsh, but it's true because your brain will, it will play tricks on you. It, your brain's job and your ego's job is to make you feel good. Like, it's not supposed to make you feel shitty. Even though we criticize ourselves, etc., it's like there's this padding, this mental padding there that you will, you'll either be your own worst critic, think you, everything you think is trash, or you'll ride this high where you think you're great. It doesn't matter what side you fall on because the market is the market, meaning it's not up for you to decide. So you have to have enough self-belief to continue to create and to know that you are that you know that you are worthy and that you have something to say and you also have to walk that same balance of listening when people tell you that it, you aren't the greatest in the world and to know that you will have room to improve and to be open to feedback not only open but to be hungry for feedback and to seek out criticism and to listen when people um, to listen to how and see how people respond to what it is, because I think I is a dangerous place to be. And so that's part of the beauty of creativity, but I'll stop rambling about it. Cause I'm going to actually do a deep dive on my YouTube channel about creativity here in a hot second, because I love talking about this stuff. Super important to me, but that's not here nor there. This is the beat school podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in as Always, if you want your question answered on the next episode, please send me an email, kia at kiaorion.com or slide in the DM at social at Kia Orion everywhere online. Thank you so much for tuning in. Appreciate y'all. Check you on the next one. Peace.